Hello, and welcome to another episode of Yoga After Dark. I am Michael, and I am your host. Um, so I got a request from a student to go over the opening and closing chants that we use in the Ashtanga lineage. And so I thought that was a pretty good opportunity for me to um, get into some of the nitty-gritty of the chants and also uh, make this a place uh, to go if you yourself are looking to, to learn the chants or to memorize them um, so that you can use them in your own practice. So I will start with just um, uh, chanting the chants, <laughs> and then um, do a call and response uh, after that so that you can follow along, and then I will get into the what they actually mean. If you'd rather not listen to all of that, you can skip ahead in the podcast to about minute six, uh, which is where I start the explanation of what the chants actually mean. So, the opening chant. Vande Gurunam Charanara Vinde Sandarshita Swatma Sukava Bodhe Nishreyase Jangalika Himane Samsara Hala Hala Mohashantiae Abahu Purushakram Shankachakrasi Dharinam Sahasra Shirsam Shvetam Pranamami Patanjalim And the closing chant. Swasti prajabhyaha paripalayantam nyayena margena mahim mahishaha go brahmanebhyaha shubham astu nityam loka samasta sukino bhavantu om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. And now I will go through and do a call and response of each one in case you want to practice along at home. Vande Guru Nam Charanara Vinde Vande Guru Nam Charanara Vinde Sandarshita Swatma Sukhava Bodhe Sandarshita Swatma Sukhava Bodhe Nishreyase Jangalikai Hamane Nishreyase Jangalikai Hamane Samsara Hala Hala Mohashantiae 
ಸಂಸಾರಹಲಾಹಲಮೋಹಶಂತ್ಯುಪುರುಷಕ್ರಂ ಆಹುಪುರುಷಕ್ರಂ ಶಂಖಚಕ್ರಸಿಧರಿಣ ಶಂಖಚಕ್ರಸಿಧರಿಣ ಸಹಸ್ರಶೀರ್ಸ ಶ್ವೇತ ಸಹಸ್ರಶೀರ್ಸ ಶ್ವೇತ ಪ್ರಾಣಮೀಪತಂಜಲಿ ಪ್ರಾಣಮೀಪತಂಜಲಿ closing chant swasti prajabhya paripalayantam swasti prajabhya paripalayantam nyayena margena mahim mahishaha nyayena margena mahim mahishaha go brahmanebhya shubham astu nityam ಗೋ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮನೆಭ್ಯ ಶುಭಂ ಅಸ್ತು ನಿತ್ಯಂ ಲೋಕ ಸಮಸ್ತ ಸುಖೀನೋಬಂಧು ಲೋಕ ಸಮಸ್ತ ಸುಖೀನೋಬಂಧು ಶಾಂತಿ 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 Now, depending on where you're practicing and with whom you're practicing, or if you're listening uh, on YouTube or uh, some other uh, format, um, you have probably heard those chants done in various different ways. Um, and that is kind of the way of things. Um, a lot of people do them in various different ways. And my way of doing it is not the uh, correct way. And other people's way of doing it is not the incorrect way. Um, the These are things that are passed down orally and depending on who you've learned from or if you've learned them from multiple people, they can um, sound very different um, coming from different people. There can be different rhythm and different melody. Um, so these uh, mantras are, are pretty interesting in, in what they say. Um, and the, the first one, the, the opening mantra... I find particularly nice. Um, and so I want to read you the, the translation of the opening mantra as um, Sharat gives it in his book Ashtanga Yoga Anushtana. Um, and then I'll go through and uh, give a more word-by-word uh, -word translation. So uh, this is what he, he writes. I bow at the lotus feet of the guru... and behold the awakened joy of my own soul, the ultimate refuge, the jungle doctor, pacifying the poisonous delusion of repetitive existence. I bow to Patanjali, who has assumed the form of a brilliantly luminous man with thousands of snake heads, and who bears a conch, a discus, and a sword. So let's go through this bit by bit. First, we have 
Vande Guru Nam. So, Vande Guru Nam, we're talking about uh, multiple gurus here, or a, a line of gurus that stretches back to time immemorial. Um, and we are Charanaravinde, we are bowing down to their lotus feet. Um, and bowing down to the feet of, of a teacher is a, a common thing to do uh, in, in India. Um, and it's, a, it's kind of a humbling of yourself um, before, before your teacher, before their uh, knowledge um, and the, uh, the light that they, they bring to, that they bring to your life. Um, one of the uh, translations of the word guru is, is one who dispels the darkness or, or one who brings light. Um, uh, another translation of guru is a, is a heavy one. So one who is heavy with knowledge. So we're bowing down to the, to the feet of, of our gurus. So I bow down to the feet of my teacher and also my teacher's teacher and my teacher's teacher's teacher and my teacher's 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 teacher all the way back, tracing back the line of people who have passed down the knowledge of yoga through, through the ages. Uh, and this passing down, this uh, uh, from directly from teacher to student um, is called uh, parampara, um, this uh, unbroken line of, of passing down information from teacher to student. Um, which is a very special way of doing things. Um, it's uh, a little different than we often think of doing things now because we often write things down in, in books and then learn about them uh, later through, through those books. This, uh, this parampara is uh, from person to person. So it, it, is, it is a living tradition. Um, the whole thing is a living tradition, which means, of course, uh, that it will change as people's lives changes and as society changes. So this yoga that's being passed down through the ages or the, the knowledge of yoga is not a stagnant thing. It is a living, breathing entity that is uh, coming to you from a teacher that you are, that you are assimilating into yourself. Um, Sandarshita Swatma Sukhava Bode. So Bode, this is this knowledge. Um, the knowledge that is being that is being passed down is the uh, Sandarshan. Uh, so a darshan um, is is a vision. And in all the philosophical uh, systems out out of India are called are called darshans. So um, we have the the yoga darshan, like the yoga darshana of Patanjali, um, and we have the Vedanta darshan, the Purnamimamsa darshan, um, etc. Um, so this sun darshan is a is a uh, revealing vision. Um, of the swatma, su-atma, of, of the self's own nature. 
Atma is uh, consciousness or the witness or the seer or the self with a big capital S or you could call it the soul or the spirit as well. Suatma, its own nature, the self's own nature, which is by uh, its own nature, sukha, which is by its own nature, happy. Uh, the self is always in eternal bliss, uh, bliss that is absolutely unchanging, that is perfect. Um, so the knowledge that the gurus have been passing down is the knowledge of the uh, vision of the true self, which is blissful by nature. This knowledge is nishreyase. Um, it is uh, beyond the best, or um, as you'll, as you might hear some people in India say, the mostest best. Um, it's one of my favorite expressions that I hear in India. But this knowledge is absolutely uh, without comparison. It is beyond comparison. Is the best of all knowledge because, just like the jungle kayamane, just like the jungle physician. Um, who the jungle physician, of course, is someone who can who can heal uh, very specifically. Someone who can draw poison out of a wound. Um, if you get a a snake bite in a jungle, uh, someone who can pacify that poison. And so, just like the jungle physician is pacifying the the poison of a of a snake, um, the uh, this knowledge that has been passed down. Uh, through parampara is pacifying the poison of samsara. Um, and the poison of samsara is the poison of cyclical existence. So the poison of being born, living, and dying, and then being born again, and living, and dying, and then being born again, and living, and dying. Um, and you know, as many things that come out of the the East, uh, they uh, it subscribes to um, reincarnation. Um, so, for people who do not subscribe to reincarnation, um, I'd like to think of samsara, the cyclical existence, as um, making a mistake and then not learning from that mistake and then making the same mistake again and then not learning from that mistake again. And so constantly getting yourself into a bind over and over and over again. We are looking to break that cycle. The uh, word hala hala means the most deadly of all poisons that has that has ever existed and this is this is the poison that was churned up when the uh, devatas and the asuras churned the primordial milk ocean and um, lord shiva actually had to had to swallow this poison in order to um, not bring the uh, universe to ruin um, and so because he swallowed this poison his his throat turned blue and so uh, he's referred to as Nilkant, or the, the blue-throated one. And if you see depictions of Lord Shiva, um, oftentimes he will have a blue throat, or he'll have a, uh, a, a bindu, a blue uh, droplet or blue teardrop um, at his throat to symbolize that poison that he swallowed. 
So the next uh, part of the opening mantra, this Abahu Purushakram, etc., um, is a um, benediction to Patanjali. And Patanjali was this, was this great sage uh, who wrote a, a treatise on yoga, also wrote a treatise on grammar, and also wrote a treatise on um, Ayurveda or, or medicine. Um, and wrote a treatise is, is probably not the best way, actually, of putting it, because uh, he probably did not write it down. He composed something, and then he told it to someone else, and that person memorized it, and then that person passed it down to someone else, again, through oral living tradition. So the first part of this is an actual description of the sage Patanjali. Abahu Purushakram. Up to the shoulders, he is in the shape of a man. Um, Shanka Chakrasi Darinam. He is holding three things. Uh, and the three things he is holding are is the conch and the, uh, the, the uh, chakra, the wheel or the discus, which is a sharp uh, weapon. And, and the sword, the sword of discernment. Um, so the conch is, it, it symbolizes primordial sound. Uh, and the primordial sound, or the pranava, is om. And we'll get a little bit more into om later. Um, and then the discus, this wheel, this um, sharp, sharp, sharp wheel, is used to um, lob off people's heads during battle. Um, and, <laughs> um, and it is symbolic of uh, separating you from your ego or separating you from your small self or the identification with your small self so that your big self, the soul, the witness, the consciousness can identify with itself, can abide in its own nature. And the sword of discernment is, is just what it sounds like, the ability to uh, know right from wrong, uh, to know evil from good, uh, etc. Um, and then uh, Sahasra Shirsam Shvetam. So Sahasra, you, you might know this word from, from the chakras. Um, Sahasra chakra is the thousand-petaled uh, wheel of energy at the, at the crown of the head. Um, so sahasra means a thousand. And then shirsam, you might, you might know this word as well because you might know shirshasana. Uh, shirshasana is the shirsha asana or the head pose or headstand. So shirsam is, is the head. And shvetam is, is brightly shining white in color. So Patanjali has... Sahasra Shirasam Shvetam, he has a thousand shining, brilliant white heads. And why does he have a thousand brilliant, shining white heads? Well, because he needs to teach yoga to many different individuals. And no individual can be taught in the same way. Because every single person, every single um, 
embodied being who is going to go along this yoga path is unique and they are all at different parts of the path and they are all going to travel at different speeds they are all going to encounter different obstacles some of them are going to have a harder time some of them are going to have an easier time etc and so patanjali has all these many many heads so that he can talk to each individual and give them exactly what they need and you know i reflect on this sometimes because as someone who practices ashtanga and teaches the ashtanga vinyasa method i'm teaching everyone the same set of postures or the same you, you have multiple sequences that we use but i'm teaching everyone the same set of postures and so i'm using um a certain uh paradigm if you will to 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 teach everyone but everyone that that is taught is taught in a very different way certainly the 25 year old who is healthy and has lots of energy is going to be very taught in a very different way than the 75 year old who walks into the into the mysore room into the ashtanga setting um and people are going to practice at a uh, different rate some people really have a a zeal for the practice and they will uh, go very fast through all the asanas and things will be very easy for them other people will not have that same um um ecstatic effort for doing the practice and so things will go a little slower or the asanas will come a little slower and in the end i i don't think that <laughs> the pacing really matters it's it's the transformation that happens the internal transformation that happens that that actually matters uh, the uh, pacing of the amount of asanas you can do or the amount of pranayama techniques you can do or how long you can sit in in some sort of uh, concentrated state uh doesn't doesn't matter so much it's more about how the practice is working within you or what type of transformation is occurring because of the practice that you're doing and then of course the last line uh, pranamami patanjalim i i bow down before patanjali or i humble myself before this great sage so that is the the opening mantra that we that we usually chant so let's go over to the the closing mantra the closing mantra um is the the mangala mantra and the mangala mantra is uh is the auspicious mantra it comes out of the the rigveda and the the translation of this one is a little bit more um finicky than than the opening mantra um and we'll get into that so again let me just uh read from from shirat's book ashtanga yoga anushtana what what he's written as the translation of the mangala mantra let prosperity be glorified let rulers rule the world with law and justice let divinity and erudition be protected let people of the whole world be happy and prosperous which is a uh, quite a nice translation of the mangala mantra so let's get into it a little bit uh, swasti prajabhya paripalayantam so the 
prajabyaha these are the the common people the the like the generic folks um i would i would put myself in the category of uh, the generic folks uh the people who are not um in positions to wield uh, large amounts of power and then we have the paripalayantam uh, uh these these people are the 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 rulers the people that are that are in charge that are that are making the decisions and Swasti Prajabhya Paripalat excuse me. Swasti Prajabhya Paripaliantam. May the uh, common people, the the regular people, be nourished um, by by the people that are in charge, by the ruling class of people. Uh, may they nourish uh, those who they are in in control of. Uh, the second line. Um, Nyayena Margena Mahim Mahishaha. So we go to the end of the line, Mahim uh, Mahishaha, those who uh, rule the land. So, uh, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the king or the uh, president or the parliament or the congress or uh, whoever it may be um may those who are ruling uh tread the correct path or walk walk the path uh of justice um the nyayena margena uh, a marga is, is is a pathway um so may those who are who are ruling, may they rule um, with, uh, as, as Sharat says in his book, with law and justice. Um, now, the next line is, is where I think things actually become kind of interesting. So, Go Brahmanebhyaha Shubham Astu Nityam. So, the, the, the last part, Astu Nityam, Shubham Astu Nityam, um uh may may this be uh protected or may they be forever uh well um may they be forever cared for um and who or what uh should be forever cared for or should be forever protected the go and the brahmans um now Go is is a fun word because go means cow, but uh, if you look up, you know, translations uh, on the internet of the Mangala Mantra, you are not going to find any translations that reference cows um, because go, like many words in Sanskrit, can mean many different things depending on the context. And um, you can find out what, you know, things mean in Sanskrit very easily. You just go onto the, the high-speed online and you go into Wiktionary and you can find all kinds of interesting information and you can kind of uh, dive into a, a deep black hole of um, Sanskrit fun or Sanskrit uh, nerdity, if you will. 
Um, so I, I, t- I today just decided to go on to, to the Wiktionary and look up go just to see how many different meanings uh, they would list. And um, I'm looking at it right now, and they list 26 of them. The first is a cow. Second, an ox. Third, a uh, cattle or a herd of cattle. But as we go further down the list... Things become more interesting. We get things like the sun, the moon, um, the eye, the sky, thunderbolts, hairs on the body. Um, And specifically, we get um, rays of light. And so rays of light or um, effulgent rays coming out of the sun or coming out of Surya... um, this is knowledge. And this is one of the reasons why we do Surya Namaskara, uh, to start our practice, to bring light into our lives and to humble ourselves before that, that knowledge. Um, and also, it's one of the reasons why we recite the uh, Gayatri Mantra, um, which is quite beautiful mantra. Um, Om Bhur Bhuva Swaha Tatsa Vitur Varenyam Bargo Devasya Dimihi um, you can recite that over and over again. It is supposed to bring brilliance. It is supposed to bring intelligence to you. So we're looking here at go as a word that's representing rays of light or rays of knowledge. And then Brahman, uh, are, uh, are the, the Brahmins. The Brahmins are the, the educated uh, caste, the priest caste uh, of India. And they are the people that are responsible for passing down knowledge from generation to generation to generation. And so here we're asking that knowledge and those that pass down knowledge, may, be, may they be protected and may they be well provided for so that they can do the job that has been set out for them. And then we see the last line here, which uh, is the line that is most familiar to the most people, probably. Loka samasta suki no bhavantu. May all beings everywhere live in happiness. And of course, at the end, we have Om Shanti Shanti Shantihi. Om Peace, Peace, Peace. Well, why peace three times? Why isn't peace once enough? Um, I mean, I think it's good to repeat the word peace anyway, because the more you repeat it, the more it gets into mind and the larger chance you have of being an actual peaceful person. Um, But uh, the way I learned it or the way it was described to me um, long ago by my teacher is that the first time you utter shanti is for everyone. So it's like peace to the world, you know, let's all wish for world peace. Let's wish for an end of war, an end of fighting, an end of strife, an end of hardship, um, so that everyone in the whole world can, can be peaceful. The second shanti is, is a bit more personal. It comes a bit more into the nuclear family. It comes to your close 
loved ones and to your relatives, um, to your spouse, your partner, your parents, your children, siblings, uh, people that you, um, that you are in contact with often, people that you care for deeply. And the third shanti is peace for yourself, that uh, inner peace that can be so elusive and that inner peace that we are looking for, uh, that we are striving after in our yoga practice. We are looking for a transformation to inner peace in our yoga practice. And if we can access inner peace, then we have a much, much, much greater chance of expressing outer peace to the rest of the world and helping the rest of the world come to peaceful solutions for all of its problems. Now, uh, the Mangala Mantra does go on, and uh, there is a, another section of the Mangala Mantra that we don't usually recite at the end of our Ashtanga practice, but uh, just in case you are curious, Kale Varsatu Parjanyaha Prithivi Sashashalini Deshoyam Kshobarahitaha Brahmana Santu Nirbayaha, which basically means um, hopefully the rain will fall on time. And the earth, due to the, due to the rain falling on time, will, will yield up its fruits in, in abundance, will yield, uh, will give, um, give its food uh, and give its sustenance, its nourishment in, in abundance. And uh, may our, our country be uh, free from, from issue, from problems, uh, from being disturbed, and also, may those who know the truth, um, we're talking about the, the Brahmana again, uh, may they be free from fear. So that's just a, an extra little thing, um, in case you didn't know that the Mangala Mantra went on from, from what we usually uh, recite at the end of our practice. Now, why do we use mantra? Why do we open our practice with a mantra, and then close our practice with a mantra? Well, there are various reasons, and one reason that is often discussed is that uh, the specific sounds of the mantra set up specific vibrations uh, in your system, um, which are beneficial to, uh, to what you are what you are about to do to, uh, to furthering your endeavors. Um, I think that's a good explanation, um, and I think it's very nice. Um, I personally am not confident enough in my own Sanskrit pronunciation <laughs> um, to, uh, to think that I am actually uh, setting up the proper set of vibrations. It sounds like quite a, quite a tall order to me. And so for me, I view the beginning and ending with a mantra as a way for me to set aside my practice space from the ordinary world. Um, it's a very simple way for, to me, for me to make my practice space extra special. Basically, once I have said the opening mantra, I am in the zone. 
I am ready to do my yoga practice. And that opening mantra is my cue in that it is no longer time to indulge in distractions. And then the closing mantra does the opposite. The closing mantra tells me, okay, you have done your practice, you have set aside your time, you have set aside your space, and now you may go out and be distracted by the world again. Uh, give yourself a pat on the back. Congratulations, you did this thing one more day. Um, uh, so I think anything that that we can do to make our, our practice spaces more... Uh, more special or more sacred or more separate from the normal and the ordinary, the better. Um, and if you use the same mantra every single time to do that, then your mind comes into focus with those specific sounds. And frankly, it doesn't really matter what mantra you use. I use the uh, opening and closing chants from, from the Ashtanga lineage because that is what I was taught by my teacher and that is what she was taught by her teacher and so on and so on. But you could certainly use something different. And if you are coming from a tradition that, uh, that has uh, something that they use specifically and that you really... Uh, um, gravitate towards, then, then sure, go ahead and, and use it for yourself. If it, if it works well for you, um, I don't think there's any reason not to use something even from another tradition if, if that uh, really holds value for you. Um, the, longer and, the longer you use the same thing and the longer you use it without uh, interrupting it, uh, the more your mind is going to grasp onto it and the more your mind is going to understand the mode it needs to put itself in when you recite the mantra. So if you do this mantra at the beginning of your practice and you do it for days and weeks and eventually years, then Anytime you hear this mantra, anytime you recite this mantra, your mind automatically puts itself into a concentrated mode or automatically puts itself into the mood of practice, into the mood of um, uh, stabilization, into the mood of clarity, into the mood of calming down. And so it's just a very simple and just really super handy-dandy way of separating your practice time out from the other time in your life. Now, a little earlier, I said that I wanted to talk about the sound OM. So the sound OM, or the pranava, um, Patanjali calls it the uh, pranava in the Yoga Sutras. And the pranava is the name of Ishwara, or the name of God, um, the name of the Lord. So if you want to uh, 
come in contact or come closer to God, then you recite the pranava or you do japa mantra. Uh, you do a repetitions of the pranava because the name is no different than the actual than the actual entity. Om um, has four parts to it. It has a beginning, it has a middle, it has an end, and then it has the fourth part, or the chaturta, or the uh, or turiya. Um, so the beginning is is the very first sound that your vocal instrument can make. If you just simply open your mouth and send a vibration through your uh, thyroid muscles, through your voice box, you get the sound uh. That is the very first sound that your, that your instrument can make. So that is the very beginning of you being able to phonate. Um, this is uh, the, Brahma, uh, the Brahma part of the uh, of Om, uh, Brahma being the uh, god who is responsible for creating things, um, uh, and then the second part of Om is the sustaining part, the the middle part, and this is right in the middle of the mouth, and also the middle of the movement that the lips can do, and this is Oo, and Oo is the Vishnu part. Of, of the sound Om. Um, so Vishnu is the god that uh, sustains everything, that keeps everything going, keeps everything in motion. And then at the very end of your instrument, when you close the lips entirely, the very last sound that you can make is M. There is nothing beyond M that you can phonate. And that belongs to Lord Shiva. Shiva, the cosmic dancer and also the god of destruction. So that is the, you know, universe in a nutshell, basically, from a microcosmic to a macrocosmic level. So if you want to look at it as your life, you can look at it as birth, and then you live and then you die. If you want to look at it at a more macrocosmic level, then look at it as the Big Bang, and then the stuff that we're in right now, and then eventually the universe is going to spread so far apart that it's going to collapse in on itself, and then we will have to have a Big Bang again. Um, so this sound of Om is encompassing that entire cycle. Now, there is a fourth part, this chaturta. And that chaturta is that empty space, that silence after the m at the end of om. That fourth part is that which is separate from the beginning, the middle, and the end. So this is the consciousness, or the witness, or the seer, or the soul, or the spirit, or um, in Sanskrit terms, the Atman, or the Purusha. This is a thing 
that has never, ever been mixed up in physicalness. It is um, all-pervading of physicalness, um, but it is outside of time. It is outside of change in any way. And as we discussed in the first opening chant, it is blissful by nature. Um, so that uh, silence at the end of the Om represents that thing that is absolutely indescribable by words, that item that has never been born and will never die, that item that is perfect, unchanging, and blissful, the Atman or the Purusha. Those words can be uh, used interchangeably. So I would encourage you, when you chant your Om, that you be specific about your Om. Start it with confidence, and then sustain it, and then end it definitively, so that you can appreciate that silence afterwards. You can appreciate that fourth part of the Om, that part that was not part of the sound, that part that is always there, that everything will always come back to. Because remember, liberation is a guarantee. The knowledge of yoga, this best of all knowledge, which is the vision of the true nature of yourself, this vision is a guarantee. The only question is how long it's going to take you to get there. And that is completely up to you. Thank you so much. Till next time.